it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 662 for November 24th, 2020. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Rod Simmons of the SMR Podcast. Welcome back to the show, Rod. Thank you, Allison. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Well, Rod came up with a really cool topic for us to talk about, and it's the topic of screencasting. Like, what are the what are the tips and tricks that he uses? And of course, I'll throw in my own tips and tricks on this. What are the tips that he uses that that make a better screencast? And the reason I love this subject is because I've had people tell me, oh, screencasting is totally easy. It doesn't take any time at all. It's like, <laughs> yeah, to make a cruddy one. But if you want to make a good one, it turns out it's a lot more work, right? I would agree 100%. You get these people who just like, they flip on the recorder and they meander around and babble and, you know, um, and make mistakes and everything. And, and they don't have a plan. And, and those are terrible screencasts. So uh, I, I have a feeling you probably have a little more structure to the way you attack this, right? Yeah. So I do, I do a lot of screen recordings for work. And so the funny thing is when we, this conversation started, I, Allison's a very good source, as you probably are, all already know, for information. So I was working with one of my colleagues, and he's new to doing recordings. And I was like, you don't realize all the little tips and tricks that you do all the time until you have to try to convey them to somebody else. So I started writing down my ideas, and I'm like, Allison records all the time because I know you do a lot of stuff with, I think it's screen steps. Screencasts online. Screencasts online, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I pinged you. And you were like, this would be a great topic. So um, I didn't get all my tips from her. But uh, the nice thing is I'll share like probably a couple. I think we might be going back and forth. She'll tell you why I'm wrong on many of them. Um, <laughs> but uh, one of the things that I often will do with a lot of my um, – with any screen recording I'm doing is the first thing is identifying like a target audience. The reason why I think that's important is um, often you'll get into like a, a situation where – um, I don't know, you're, let's say that you're going to talk about cameras. Allison likes to talk about cameras a lot. And, um, if you don't establish, um, a target audience before you get, um, you get started talking about it, you'll find yourself explaining, I'd, I'd like to say what are very mundane topics. So you might say, uh, well, DSLR and you're like, oh, I have to say that that's a digital single lens reflex. And it's like, no, no, you're talking to people who the audience is, they know about cameras. You don't have to explain those topics. So to me, I think one of the first things is you have to know who your audience is. There are times where um, um, you're trying to do an explainer on something that no one's ever seen, like the latest iPhone. They understand what an iPhone is and they understand basics, but you're trying to show them all the new features. That's one scenario. Or they might be a subject matter expert, but they've never seen the solution and how they implemented it. So you have to go a little bit deeper to explain things. But there are always like these fundamental things. If it's if it's trying to introduce a very brand new topic to someone who knows nothing about it, then yes, you're explaining all the acronyms at soup. But um, I, I think one of the most important things is target audience. I, I like that. I, I remember doing a, a video for Screencast Online a while ago, and I can't remember which app it was, but there were some super advanced, cool features in this app, but I don't actually know who my target audience is. My target audience is anybody who pays Don, right? <laughs> so, you know, they're, they're, gonna, they're, yeah. they're people who are willing to spend a little bit of money because they're paying to be trained, and they're, um, they might be mostly iPhone people or mostly, uh, you know, iPad people, or maybe they're only on the Mac. And so you don't really know who your audience is. But what I did with this one was I started it by saying, okay, so for all the advanced users, I want you to just cool your jets and relax for a little bit here. I want to bring everybody else up to speed on where we're going to get started. Oh, I know what it was. It was Text Expander. 
So Text Expander has a lot of features that are great for the new user who just wants to do a couple of things. But what yep. I wanted to show was all of the really cool advanced features. But I needed to tell one audience, hey, you know, just hang on or, hey, maybe you want to skip ahead a chapter because you, you know this part. And so it, that's a case of knowing the target audience and, and adapting to maybe two audiences. Yes, I do. I like that a lot. So I think when you're, and so that, that actually jumps me to like one of my other like favorite little tips hmm. um, when you're, and this actually jumps you all the way to end editing. Cause you're like, wait, why are you talking about editing? But when you have to do something like that um, with a video, you really have a, I'd like to say a very short period of time to capture the interest of your audience. So when you say, Hey, look, I have to bring everybody up to speed when I get to this. But if you already understand, jump to three minutes and 18 seconds in and we're going to get started. So the person who's like, I don't want to listen to you babble, um, can jump to three minutes and 18 seconds and keep going and get right where they want. So like when you're editing at any point in time, those like kind of like, like jump markers to get people through content, they are hugely valuable because if not, what you find a person doing, like if you're on YouTube, you'll like double tap on the end of the video to skip forward 10 seconds and you start doing it over and over again until you finally get to where you want to be or – if you've you get clicked it enough, <laughs> yeah, you, you just abandoned the whole video. Um, yeah, the, the tool I use is called ScreenFlow, and I put in uh, little little chapter marks, little uh, tick marks that show you, uh, you know, this is where a chapter should go. And then in, in my case, I have people, um, the, the producers over at Screencast Online will go through and put in the full chapter marks. So they have little little place you can just click right to it. So yeah, I, I didn't used to be a big fan of chapter marks because I was always like, no, I need people to see all of my content. I don't want them to skip ahead, <laughs> which is just, if there's anything you could learn, it's, it's don't think about what you want. Think about what your customer wants. In, in Rod's case, this is literally a customer uh, or maybe it's a coworker. Yes. But think of anyone who's looking at your stuff as a customer. What do you want them to get out of it? And how can you get them to get that content? And so if you're boring them, you're not getting them what they need. So giving them a way to That's jump right. to what they need to get to is the right thing to do to get engagement in what you're in what you're giving them. So the other thing I like to do is um, as a technical person, we have a nature of starting um, and showing you all the way through making the sausage. And sometimes it's important to know how to make the sausage when you're telling a person a story. Oftentimes, I found it's more effective to show them how delicious the sausage looks at the beginning. So show <laughs> um, like if I if you watch a cooking like, show, a care? cooking show, yeah, they show you the prepared meal. Mm. You don't jump into a cooking show and say, I wonder what she's going to make with all these things she's chopping up. It's, <laughs> I want to know Maybe what it's, it's going to be. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what's going on here, but I'm along for the ride. Um, so if you start at the end and show them like the end product of what like this is going to deliver, like when I do like presentations in front of customers, I'll often start with reports because this is what you care about. And because they care about seeing the quality of the reports and all this stuff that they want to get to, then we can go and show them what they want. What I've also learned um, that, is if you a, do grab... Don't don't keep going because I want to say that's a yeah, really yeah. good idea. I don't, I don't think I do that enough or else I do overkill. I spend so much time, I spend like three minutes explaining all the reasons you're going to want to know what I'm going to tell you. And I, yeah. and, and I try to find that happy medium. Because I don't know about you, I go to a YouTube video to learn something. I'm skipping everything the person said before they started showing it to me. I don't want to see any of that. <laughs> now, I'll go back and look at it if I have to, but uh, right. it, it, do ye all things in moderation, right? Yeah, yeah. Some people, like, they they like the 
kind of the endpoint. I like the endpoint to beginning because it's it's like this is what we're gonna get to. Now let's go. Like when I watch a like I've been into making cutting boards, and I do have to ask you how you like yours because I haven't talked to you about it in a while. Um, but when you're making something or you're looking at how to make something, I like to see. All right, I like it. And now I want to listen to everything else you have to say. So that two or three minutes where they're showing photos of the cutting board running me through and telling me like that 30 seconds of basics Mm -hmm. um, of what I need to know whether or not I want to proceed forward is like so valuable before I'm going to watch the rest of it. Um, But this is probably where I'm going to differ from Allison um, partially. Sit down, press the record button and get going. This is counterproductive. And I promise you the next step will be you got to write an outline, but you got to do that after you sit down, press record, and just start talking. Here's why oh, I love I doing hear this. this. Yeah. Um, so for many people, um, they might know something really well. And as they go through, what they will find are new things that they want to talk, like things that like, oh, yes, I definitely should talk about that, that if they just sat down and write an out, wrote an outline, they wouldn't, they wouldn't stumble upon it. You'll also find in demonstrations the things that are going to trip you up. Um, so there are some other tips we'll talk about, like with screenshots and stuff that I definitely want to make sure we get to. But if you start recording, you'll find like an application that, oh, I forgot when you click that button, it takes like four minutes for it to return. So you're now prepared when you go through your actual recording that I'm going to click this button and it's going to take two minutes. So I know that I don't want my mouse bouncing all over the screen. I know I want to have some dead time so that I can transition two things together. So I'm going to be prepared when I go in and do it the first time. So this it also is, allows this is you a throwaway recording then. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it also, it will early on, it proves to you that you, you, you probably do need to write an outline. <laughs> I think like to say for most people, but it also helps you understand how to transition points because what happens when you write, what I find when I write an outline the first time through is I'll start recording and I'll say, Oh crap, I should have talked about that. And then I'm adjusting my outline and then so, going back and recording. I don't use an outline format, and that's exactly why. Um, what Ooh. I do is, as I'm, as I'm, uh, two things I want to say here. The hardest part to me is to sit down and press record. I am really good at fixing to make a plan to get started to write to do that recording. Okay. I spend no less than a week writing up my outline and getting it ready to go. But I don't use an outline. What I use is a mind map. So I start playing with the tool and I just start poking things and learning things and going through preferences, you know, and trying different things. And as I do it, I'm just throwing things out onto a mind map. And with a mind map, you can start rearranging them. And and, and that's where you start to get the story down where you you saying, well, wait a minute, I started with the preferences, but they don't know why I care about that preference. Okay, let me move that piece over here, do this other thing first. And I can move these bubbles around and and reattach them and change them. And the other thing I could do is as I'm doing the... um, as I'm doing the recording, I keep the mind map up so I know the structure I'm going to go through. And when I'm done with a segment, I color code what I've finished. So at first, everything starts out as like light lavender bubbles in my case. And then I tap them and I change them to green when I've done them. And that way, when a whole uh, a whole bubble path has a branch has been finished, I can collapse it. Now I don't have to look at it. And um, if you like outline formats, you can start in a mind map and then you can export it as, as an uh, XML mm. file and open it up in your outlining program. And so that way it can be more methodical if you want to just see it, you know, in a linear, in a linear way. It's kind of a, a half of both. Yeah, I find that uh, an outline for me, and I, I've, I've tried mind maps. For me, I, I don't know if I, I – it's never worked for me to think Some through an outline. Yeah. map. 
Um, but what like when I do the run through recording, I start finding like, or I definitely want to make sure I t- like these things have to go together. And I also find ways that I want to articulate or explain something. Um, so that first, and I might do that recording two or three times so that I kind of really can get comfortable with the flow and comfortable with, okay, I definitely want to touch on these. I don't want to touch on this. And then I know that I can get through the end. I know how I want to conclude. So now I've, I've, it's helped me when I go to write my outline and making sure that I hit on those key uh, talking points that I think are really important. The other thing, and I know Allison, when you do uh, your stuff for screen, uh, screencasts online, they tend to be long. And I, I say longer form content, but you have to figure to 40 out 40 minutes. Like, yeah. That's a, uh, that I understand why it takes you, you know, a week to put out an outline. If you're doing a three minutes, a five minute video, you're probably able to sit down and write an outline early in the day and then probably do two or three cuts and recordings in the afternoon and get something accomplished uh, for it's, many. Sometimes short recordings are harder, though, because it's it's like it's really I think it was Benjamin Franklin was it said, uh, I didn't have time to write you a short letter, so I wrote you this long one. Right? <laughs> like I, it's hard to write in 140 characters in a tweet. You know, you got to be crisp and think about what you really want to get across. So yes. sometimes doing a shorter one is even more challenging. I've, I've just started doing, uh, Don has these tip videos too. And I've started, I've done one so far and man, it was way easier though to, to do a like three to five minute or, you know, five, six minute kind of a video versus yeah. a 40 minute video. Cause you got, you got to start with something chewy. Um, I did want to get back to what you said about doing the run through, um, I definitely run through the steps. I don't record while I'm doing it, but I'm I'm doing the outline. But um, literally yesterday, uh, I, I discovered a just catastrophic problem. I was trying to demonstrate this tool called Loom, and Loom does screen recording. So before I agreed to do it for Screencast Online, I ran a test on my Mac to make sure that I could record the screen while Loom was recording the screen. So important. So I ran through that and it worked just fine. So, okay, I ran the test. I told Don and JF that I was ready to go. Yes, this is going to work. So I've now, I finished doing all of the, the Mac OS version and I go to do the iOS version and iOS will not let you record the screen if you're screen mirroring. And the only way I could record the screen is to plug it into my Mac, bring it up in QuickTime as a quote unquote camera, and then it's recording the screen while Loom is recording the screen. And you cannot do that. iOS disallows it. So like you can, the iOS has built in screen recording. You can't run yeah. that while you're plugged into your Mac uh, and screen mirroring. You can't do it. I think it's probably a DRM thing because you can't do it when you're using uh, AirPlay. Yeah. So there's something, there's probably something to do with the, uh, you know, MPAA that caused it or something. But uh, I did all these tests and here I am. I've got 20 minutes recorded. The last 10 minutes all going to be iOS. But Steve figured out the solution and this is crazy. He said, well, wait a minute. You can record right up until Loom starts recording your iOS screen. And then Loom is recording your iOS screen. So just go get that part of the video and stick it into your real video and it'll look like you did it all together. <laughs> and it, it, it almost works. There's, sure, a few, yeah. there's a few little transitions we're going to have to slither around where there's a piece missing, you know, that didn't get enabled. But anyway. Yeah, I, but that I, highlights the check your, check your settings, check them again, yeah. test everything. Because th- it's like you tested everything except for this one very finite scenario that why would it not work until it doesn't work? So yeah, that's so yeah. true. On checking your settings, I I keep a checklist and I go through this checklist line by line every single time I do a recording. And it's things like uh, 
well, we'll get into some of the other details, but it includes take the dog's collar off because she has a habit of shaking her head. Even if she's outside the door, there'll be this big jingle. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, turn off notifications. If you've got an app that'll that'll uh, clean your screen for you, like uh, I use Parallels Toolbox on the Mac, it's available for Windows too. And it's got a presentation mode and you just click that and it turns everything, it turns off your notifications. It takes everything off your desktop. It stops your icons from bouncing in the dock if you get a message or whatever. And it just Whoa. goes, yeah, it's, it's really nice. It's a one click fix to that. That's better than my record in a different profile setting. <laughs> well, I <laughs> because, do that too, though. Okay. Because you never know when something personal in your, I don't know, your menu bar apps or something, you have something, yeah. it, it can distract people. Um, in, uh, I'd go to a separate screencast online account, which makes it really challenging because sometimes I need something that's in my other account and, and now I'm not logged into the same iCloud account. So I can't like use, um, uh, what is it called? Continuity to send it from my phone to the, to the Mac. And I end up like sending things to Dropbox and files and up and over the other side, but it yeah. makes it clean, clean desktop. You know, it's just a gray background, nothing interesting. Yeah. It's the, it's the it's that focus point that you want the users on. Like um, if you don't need the, if the URL is not critical for the user to see, don't show it. Like record exactly what the user needs to see in the app or on the screen and try to get rid of all that other clutter. So that's uh, important. The, the other thing that I typically will do, and it's like something I learned with, you know, going on site with so many customers meeting is, is, you know, you know, introduce what you're going to talk about. Like this is kind of the the idea that I was talking about is start at the end and work your way to the beginning, but introduce, tell me the story, and then tell me what you told me. So tell them, tell tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, then tell them what you told them. Um, you always want to bookend everything so that you're constantly repeating the some of the same stuff over and over again is that it, it helps reinforce the topic that you're trying to get across, especially if you're doing instructional. Um, it's very valuable for someone to know it, come in, know what they're going to come in and learn, and then what they're going to that what they're going to get out. Um, I don't know that I do the last step. I definitely set it up, and I it, it, my tagline on my show is "What problem are you trying to solve?" So yeah. that that's my opening thing. Is I always frame it in a way of if you need to do this, this is why you care about what I'm about to tell you. So, uh, you know, if you've ever blah and you've ever blah and you need to blah, then this is why you want to do, use this tool. But I don't really bookend it because by the time I'm done talking, man, I've been going on for 40 minutes. You know, if they didn't pay attention, go back and watch the beginning again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, that's, that, there's a truth to that. I, I always like, again, often the time I'm, stuff I'm doing is I'm handing it over to a customer um, so that they – you know, I want them to have like sometimes it's my summary. My end might be a call to action, like something I want them to do hmm. after viewing this content. It might be go contact a sales associate or whatever it might be. But that that end of saying, all right, here are the things I said I was going to talk to you about, and here the and like going at the end saying, look, so we've covered this, 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 and this. It's like, and the reason why it's important. I watched this one video, and it was about it was um it's about cutting juice grooves in a cutting board. It's something I've been doing lately. What screws? Juice grooves, like it's it's you know like you have a cutting board it has like this groove that, that goes word? around it, like juice J U I C E J U I C E groove. okay juice so, groove okay so it's essentially like a, a box that's cut in the middle of a, in a cutting board so that when you cut meat the juice goes oh, into those juice areas. groove yes I got you okay so the person who's showing how to do this they said this template will help you do it it's like and the thickness of the template is important and never explained why but in the comments I could see everybody saying. I can't get it to work. 
and they can't figure out with the one piece of information that he said he was going to disclose in the video and never talked about. And that telling him what you told him, make sure that you go back and say, like, I, when I summarize this, I'm validating that I, I covered the things I said I was going to cover because the video was fantastic. The technique was amazing. The information disclosure sucked and I didn't get what I wanted out of what, I mean, I watched Mm -hmm. it three times. Like, where did I miss it? Like he must've just mumbled it somewhere. I didn't hear it. Nope. It wasn't there. Um, so that's a probably a good thing. And, um, yeah, I I think doing, um, screencasting is easier than doing regular video because it's a lot harder to go back and edit in. A lot of times oh, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll finish a video and then I'll, uh, like you say, what I should have done was start at the end and work backwards, but I don't. So I'll get down towards the end. And I'll go, oh man, I should have mentioned that back here. This would have fit better. I mean, it doesn't happen often because I do spend yeah. so much time planning. But when that happens, it's as long as a lot of stuff hasn't changed on screen and we should probably get into making that work correctly. Um, I can go back and insert something and it's not that yes. hard. But if you're talking now, like you changed your shirt, you know, <laughs> things like that. Like I just had to be on video and the one I was doing recently. And it was so annoying because I had to make sure my hair looked the same. Did I have the same shirt on, you know, and it takes me almost a week to make my recordings too. I plan for a week and it takes me about a week to make the recordings. Wow. So I don't, I, I've got to watch everything in the room. To me. That's why I hate being on screen on camera because it's it's that's problematic. Yeah, if you don't have to be, if you're, and I always say my face is made for radio. So if you don't need your face on the screen, I I highly recommend against it unless it's going to add value uh, to the content. And sometimes it's useful if you're doing like a couple PowerPoint slides at the front, or I'll say keynote slides at the front of your presentation is useful, but screenshots are your friend. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've watched videos where someone gets to a screen and I'm watching a cursor just blinking for like three minutes as they're talking about the screen. And you're like, oh. like, Instead seriously, dude, you could have, you yeah. could have had a, you could add a slide, a screenshot up or you could well, have taken it. Yeah, I, use, I use ScreenFlow, and you can just put in a, you know, you can just show text on screen. Those are the elements that are showing instead of, uh, so you can have it build out and everything. So you don't have to use uh, a slide necessarily, but that would work yes. too. Yeah. So the thing I like about screenshots, um, there are times like example, if you're doing something in like a, let's say that you were using like SAP, for example, so you're going to do something and it's going to take a long time. Like, you know, mm-hmm. that you're going to click a button and it has to crunch through some data and then return back results. And no one's interested in watching your machine just spin, spin, spin and crunch through data. So there's a couple tricks there. One, a screenshot at the beginning and a screenshot at the end. And and if it's the same exact resolution for the screenshot, the nice thing is that there's no transition. You just have you, you just have your video and then your screenshot just goes on the next frame. No one can tell the difference provided your mouse isn't in frame. And then at the end, when it fades in, you can then transition back to video and show like it, it finish. I don't, I don't see what the screenshot does. So what I would do in that case is I would, I would get up to the point where now the counter's going and then I would do a page curl and I would say, okay, that took like three minutes. I didn't, you know, you didn't need to see that here. Or I'll say, you know, we'll be back when this finishes. So the thing I like about screenshots are there are times where I personally need to talk while it might oh, be doing something. So there might be like a two or three minute segment where I want to say something and then I want to end. So a screenshot allows me to, if I get to the point and I say, all right, just going to take a screenshot. Wait, wait, wait. Now I can, t- if I want to talk there, I can have the audio track or I can add it in later. But 
sometimes you tend to be a bit more verbose as you're talking. So you might say, do I need three seconds, 30 seconds? So I can have a screenshot that I just insert in there. Okay. It could go. Also, I'm not saying software applications ever fail on you, but when it goes totally off the rails and it doesn't work, Mm -hmm. that screenshot puts you that point. You can fix the problem and edit out everything that's happened in between until you get to the end point and then just explain the end point. So I love screenshots because it, it prevents the mouse cursor from just sitting there and it allows you to do, um, I think some additional things that it is very easy to render a screenshot into your videos. So I love, I love inserting them when it makes sense. Um, and then, the other thing is annotate. I, I think you touched on that with um, just a moment well, hey, ago. Can, but can we wait to get the annotation? Because I think we've yeah, missed yeah. some of the front end stuff. That that. Oh yeah, go now, for it. Now that we're done with kind of philosophy sort of stuff, getting yeah. into some of the technical details. Um, I, I mentioned uh, having a clean screen with as little on it as possible. But also, if if you're on a Mac, um, menu bar apps can be distracting. Uh, having the time showing can be distracting because right now it's 1037. Then all of a sudden, how come that just changed to 1105 in the middle of the screencast? Well, I didn't <laughs> cut, obviously. So um, I use uh, uh, an app called uh, Bartender, which a lot of Mac users use, and I, I hide absolutely everything that I can. There's a few standard things that are going to be in there. They're always going to be there, but it, it's consistent. And that was actually a recommendation of Don's. And he has me use an account that is called Screencast Online. So we've got five or six different people who do recordings for Don, and they all say we're Screencast Online. It doesn't say Allison or Smoopsy Poo or whatever you've named your user account. So making <laughs> that less distracting, I think, is really important. Um, the, That's a good idea. I don't know if there's anything. Is there anything on Windows like that that, that is distracting? Like you don't have menu bar apps, right? Um, so you don't have menu bar apps, but you, oh, I'm on a Mac, so I'm oh. like, I can't remember. <laughs> well, okay, uh, we don't care then. <laughs> no, but yeah, there are, there are distracting things on window. It's t- typically, and I think it's like, um, I mean, make sure like tray or something or. Yeah. You have your, your bottom menu bar, your system tray, where all your little preferences are, the running apps you might have in there. You have your clock, where it has your so notifications. You, so you can I hide always, a lot of that, right? Yeah. No matter what platform I'm on, the clock is never on screen when I'm recording and uh, notifications are always disabled, making sure there's certain things that you don't want to click on, like popping out your uh, sidebar notifications where everybody knows everything you haven't addressed. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. right, those right. are, there are definitely a lot of little tips. Like I think clock hiding is probably the most important because if something takes three minutes to process and you're trying to make it seem like it's lickety split, um, <laughs> there's no concept of transition of time when you can't see a clock. It's yeah, it's like it going gets, to Vegas, right? It gets back to, it gets back to what you were saying. Oh, is that why there's no clocks in Vegas? <laughs> It, it, but it gets back to what you were saying. Anything that's distracting the, the viewer from the thing you're trying to teach them, you should try to make it go away and set that up ahead of time. And again, put that in your checklist so you remember to do it because the next time you're going to forget. Um, the other big thing is to think seriously about your screen resolution. Um, I have uh, been upgraded in Screencast Online to be allowed to, to record at 1600 by 900. That's really annoying. We used to use even lower. It was like 720p. And so you could basically get like, you know, two lines of, of a web page on, on the screen. It's very restrictive and it's tight and it makes and it's really a lot of times you're you feel like you've got your arms strapped into the you're in the center seat on an airplane while you're working. But the result is that you don't have to zoom in to show people things. Zooming in to show people things is it can be useful if you're really trying to get them to focus. But if you can avoid doing that by choosing a screen resolution up front that is you know, appropriate for the screens they're going to be looking at. It. And that's back to your audience, right? Uh, yep. A lot of the audience of Screencast Online might be watching on an iPad. Well, you don't want to be doing it on your 5K display. 
that's just going to look, you know, a full resolution. That's going to look really bad. So scrunching it down like that, when you produce the video, you're going to have something that doesn't have to zoom in. People can read the text. Um, you Maybe uh, another thing we do is we keep the bottom, I don't know, inch, half an inch of the screen with nothing on it because that's where the closed captions go. So leaving a place for closed captions to go is another thing you can do with look in while you're thinking about screen uh, screen resolution. Yeah, I, I I think the key thing is like standard dimensions, like uh, 16 by 9, that's key. 4K is beautiful if you're going to be sitting in like a beautiful office and having a conversation. It's like amazing to do a, a video where it's like real life stuff. It's not great uh, when you're doing screen recordings for exactly the reasons that Allison laid out is it's just there might be on you're, a phone. you're constantly – Right. Yeah. On a phone, it's even, yeah, it's, it's, it's just hard. You have to consider if the median is going to be most people on their phone, then yeah, you want to do uh lower res. You can still do high, um, high DPI. Uh, was it refresh? Um, uh, uh frames per oh, second. Sorry. 30, there it is. 30 frames per second is what we do. You do 30. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've transitioned recently over to 60. Um, it depends on what you're screencasting. If you think yes, about it, it does, a screencast yeah. is fairly, it is usually fairly static, right? Fairly you static. don't have a lot of stuff going on. If you've got high motion things you're doing, sure, a high refresh rate would matter. But if you're just showing, you know, how to, how to use text expander, it's text on the screen. It doesn't matter. It's not, it's not refreshing. Um, so, oh, God, I just, uh, I want to get back on screen resolution. Uh, people are going to say, but Allison on my Mac, I can't change to 1600 by 900. That's not one of the options. Um, I've talked about parallels toolbox, letting me clean off my desktop. It also has a screen resolution tool. It, it's parallels desktop is a, is a, I'm sorry, I keep saying desktop parallels toolbox is an, an app that has a lot of tools that you can find anywhere. All, there's nothing unique in this entire set but it has them all together, which is why I use it. So it has a screen resolution tool um, that lets me choose all different kinds of resolutions. And I can choose whether it's retina or not. When I do uh, 1600 by 900, that is the retina resolution. That's um, 20 bucks a year. If you hate subscriptions, Switch Res X is very good also. And that's $16. And I'll have a link in the show notes to both those if you guys want to look at them. I'm going to have to take a peek at both of those because uh, when you had given me that tip, I looked, I was like, I can't go that low in, on my Mac. like uh, And yeah, that would be a very useful one to have. Something else that is, I think when many people, when they're, if you're recording something, you're nervous, you want to get good quality, especially if it's your first couple, um, shut up, learn to shut up. And I say that because what people tend to do, and I, you can watch it in any meeting next, next time you're in a, a conference meeting, you can always tell the person who can't tolerate silence because every time there's like people aren't talking for, I don't know, 10 seconds, they can interject something. Um, in a video, you don't need to do that. And the reason why is it makes editing the video 10 times easier if you shut up. So if you're recording something and it goes awry, don't say, oh crap, right away. You can pause two seconds and say, oh, you've got to be kidding me because you can cut those two seconds out. But if you were in the middle of talking and then you break out a character and say, this stupid product doesn't work. Um, <laughs> the editing is a lot harder. Edit, yeah, the editing is so hard because you transitioned right into your expletives of frustration. So <laughs> I do like character. hearing that the editors, since ScreenFlow is non-destructive, they can pull it back and see what I said. <laughs> 
are you serious? I didn't yeah. know ScreenFlow. Was- oh, well, yeah. <laughs> actually, I always render out of ScreenFlow. <laughs> okay, so you and don't then send I go it to, to an Final editor. Cut. Okay, yeah, so okay. I render full video out of ScreenFlow, go to Final Cut, and do my edits. I was like, oh my gosh, people can see all this stuff I've done. <laughs> why do you Why do you edit in, in uh, Final Cut? I love Final Cut. Okay. I, well, I like Final Cut and Adobe Premiere, but I just I'm so comfortable with the Final Cut. Um, editing like the method for editing and all the sh- keyboard shortcuts in final cut that i just it's become my workflow i can't even use i, I don't know the last time i've used iMovie because I don't know to me final iMovie. cut is just so simple to edit in um yeah, i just cool. i started using it and i just i love editing i do, in final I do cut. everything in in uh, screen flow and <clears throat> i'm going to double down on what rod said about about taking that pause there there's another trick with stopping talking and um Let's say you've you've just demonstrated something, and while you were demonstrating it, you did mess up what you said. But but now you can't really back up because you can't make that demo happen again. For some reason, there's there's always something that you can't undo, right? That you you can't re- repeat it. But what you can do is take a heartbeat, give yourself some flat line in the audio so you can see where you did it, and now right where you just heard what you said, say the entire sentence again. Don't try to go in and cut one word out and fix it. Just just repeat the whole sentence because now you can you've just said it, so you've got the cadence down. You know what your tone of voice was. Were you going up speak or were you going down speak? You know what were you doing when you were saying it? Say it again, and then when you stop, now what you can do is you can take that good audio, cut out the bad audio, and just slide that good audio over, and then cut out whatever's recorded in the screen. And so you can you can have the best of both worlds. But if you don't do it right then, it's it's much harder to get the right cadence in and you'll find yourself trying to edit individual words and it just I'm always unhappy when I try to do that. I try, but it never works well. You know, oh, I just remembered another good reason to record yourself before. Um many um people um don't um realize um how often they say certain words in the course of do, of saying things where if you record yourself and you re-listen to it back, you'll say, I said literally like 19 times in this recording. This is ridiculous. So, um, Mine is and it, so. Did you hear how you so? just said so? Count the number no. of times I say so. It drives me crazy. So <laughs> I'm going to do this. So I'm going to do that. So I did this. It's like, oh, stop saying it. The other one, listen in everybody's screencast. Steve pointed out mine and I've pretty much beaten it out of my recordings. But people will say, I'm going to go ahead and. Why do, I don't know why we say that. I'm going to go ahead and click this menu. I'm going to go ahead and open this file. I'm going to go ahead mm. and. And we say it all. The, and now that he pointed it out in mind and I've stopped doing it, I hear it in everybody else's. So go make yourself crazy and listen to that. <laughs> make it harder. Uh, think about that one. The, the other thing that usually will trip people up if you don't have a good mic, which uh, I'm thankful for Allison because she got me my uh, well, my sure setup I that him, I have here. I let him buy that sure setup that he has yes. there. <laughs> but what people sometimes will do is that they're sitting on top of the mic and they don't realize that when they're taking that breath. Um, so the key is the reason why you're breathing so deep is because you're talking so fast. So slow down. It's okay. I'm not trying to go 100 miles an hour with you to get through the content. If I want it to go any faster, most medians provide me an ability to double speed or go 1.5x if you're going a little too slow down. Okay. You don't have to take deep breaths to try to rip through. 
I have to interrupt you for a second because I'm only doing your recording. Right when you yeah. said go real slow, we had a Skype slowdown. So what we heard was <laughs> slow. <laughs> that was not on I didn't purpose. That's slow. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's really good if you if you if you um if you slow your tempo down. Hmm. Um, like when I do presentations in front of people, I I have I will grab a salesperson and say I talk fast. Um, so can you? Please, if I'm going fast, you're my track point. I will always look to you periodically in my oh, session to tell me, to to tell me like wave your hand, telling me to slow down. <laughs> so you, you can't do that in a video recording. But if you know that you got to go slow down, just put a sticker on your monitor that says slow down. Oh, and so that as you're talking, um, you'll slow yourself down and find that cadence that makes sense um, so that you can deliver the content. You're not having to take deep gasping breaths to get through it. Um, it does make... Uh, the presentation for, tremendously different for the breathing. Also, I find that I, I slouch a lot and I'll start to get real like this. And if I sit up in my chair, it gets better. So that does help. Ooh. Oh, here's one I really like. Um, one of the hardest things to do is to do a screencast where you've got your mouse cursor showing and you've been moving the mouse when you didn't have to, and you have to make an edit. So now the user is going to see the viewer is going to see the mouse just jump across the screen all of a sudden. So if so, if you can at all possible, as soon as you get your your cursor to where you need it to be, let go of the mouse. It just just let go of it because it, it's it's going to be your friend later if you mess up, and it's really distracting to the user. Like, why are you moving? I've seen people who do it where their cursor is going re re re. You know, they're like circling something. No, we don't need to do yes. that. Move it and let go. It's, it's, it's intolerable. And the, the worst is when they start using their mouse to point things out. Cause again, that's where annotation comes in. So valuable for you. If I'm looking at a form page, like if you're showing me something like on Amazon of how to buy something and how to check the change, the quantity and how to do all these things, don't tell me change your quantity to two. You know, um, you can see all your additional purchasers, call it out, like put a red box around. This is where you go. Like, this is where you change your quantity. This is where you do this because it draws my eyes. If you do it with your mouse, it's very, it's distracting. And, it and also, small. You're, yeah, you're hoping I see it. Um, so assume that I won't. And um, yeah, I definitely agree with you on that one. Um, the, the, take your hand off your mouse. When you do the annotations, I like to do a little fade in, fade out. Or mm -hmm. if it's, uh, yeah. Oh, so they'll just blink on and blink off. Right. In ScreenFlow, you can add a fade in and fade out to it. Um, the other thing you can do is you can then slide it down to the next field elegantly. The nice thing about having stuff is I don't have to put in any of my an own annotations. I'll, I'll just put in a giant six inch long arrow going, you probably want to put a box here or something in just in case they don't think to do it because they do all of the annotations for me. Um, if, in ScreenFlow, you can also, and this is so weird that it can do this, you can increase the size of your cursor. So even though your cursor on screen is small, what comes in on, they, they change my cursor to a big, long red arrow. Mm, that works really well. Yeah, it, it's very odd. ScreenFlow actually is recording all the different layers of your of your um, screen. So what I, I never even realized was those things are accessible separately. So you can have a window highlighted and everything else blurred or and you can else remove your mouse too, darker. probably. Yeah, you can, you can, Ooh. you can t cut a segment where you can have it disappear and you can have it re you know, fade in when it gets to the other side. I know they do that if I've really, you know, messed up and not done that quite right. I like that idea. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to maybe I'll have to try to do more editing in ScreenFlow Cause again, I'm, I'm a, 
I just render it out and go to Final Cut. I do minor edits and trimming in there, but mm-hmm. I'll uh, I'll jump over to Final Cut to do uh, my editing. One so of, let me tell you one thing about shortcuts because you were talking about shortcuts and keystrokes. Is uh, one advantage I have is that Don has built a set of uh, keyboard maestro shortcuts. So keyboard maestro is a Mac app that allows you to uh, create. Um, you know, keystrokes and things you can do in in other apps. And so he's written some where like if you you select a region you want to get rid of, you know you're going to select that region, you're going to cut, and then you're going to need to move your cursor back a little bit and then hit play, right? That's what you're always going to do. So he made a keystroke. I think it's like control command R or something like that. I don't know. I, I do it by muscle memory. It cuts the segment and then backs up like one second and then plays. So in one keystroke, I can cut and and go backwards and play. Does that make sense? Ooh, that is pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. it makes perfect sense. I can ask him if I'm allowed to give like- them to you. I don't know whether those are proprietary screencast online tools, but he's got a couple of those. Another one is if you if you create a gap for some reason, then you need to close that gap. If we put the cursor on the left edge of the right piece, there's another keystroke that's got a G in it for gap, and it does the same thing. It closes the gap, backs up a second, and then plays. So it's really, really fast once you get good at the, at the keystrokes. And, and there are a lot of keystrokes in the app, too. Yeah, I guess if you have to do a lot of editing, it's or a lot of video editing, or a lot of, like, like he's cranking out videos constantly, it's, those are going to come in. If you're only doing it once or twice. Yeah, you're um, not going to learn they, Yeah, you may not need it. But here's, here's one that I, I think is really important. Um, a timer app. Uh, so sometimes you're doing a video and like why we might say ah, three to five minutes. Sometimes you have a strict limit. Like someone might say, we need you to do a commercial video, 40 seconds only. Give me the high levels. And you you have up to 40 seconds, Jeez. not 41, only 40 or whatever it might be. Um, and having a timer that when you are going to start talking, you tap it and you can monitor your time. Like, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, 40 seconds is a little insane, but um the value of uh, having a timer app, it's, if you're trying to track for like 10 minutes, you can actually sort of monitor yourself as you go through. And if you use it when you do your dry runs, you can ensure that you always make it like to your end gate uh, in the, the timely manner because you're watching your uh, timer app go down. I use uh, these in call, thing called pre- presenter timer on my uh, iPhone, presentation timer. I use it when I do public speaking as well. Um, and it always keeps me making sure that I'm hitting my kind of cadence to get through my content. That's interesting. Uh, that's interesting. I would, um, I think I could use something like that when I do public speaking because I tend yeah. to get like a 45 minute time slot and in 18 minutes I'm done because I talk like this because I'm really excited about my topic and I love talking about it. It's really fun. <laughs> um, so it, combining what you said about having somebody slow you down and having a timer would, would be a good thing so that I know when I'm going too fast. I don't, I don't tend to find that in screencasting quite as much because like I said, it's, it's really prepared and I know where I'm going. Um, yes. One other thing, um, I was talking about Keyboard Maestro, and this triggered an idea. Sometimes in doing a screencast, you have to type something. Like you're typing a URL, HTTP colon slash, you know, it takes you like Speed 40 seconds. Two things, uh, yeah, grab either side, cut either side of it in, in ScreenFlow. You can simply hold down the option key and drag from right to left, and you can you can speed it up. But And I was doing that for a long time because Donna taught me how to do that. But then JF taught me another one. This JF Brissett, by the way, I'm talking about who's the uh, editor and producer of the shows that I do. Uh, he said to drag, drag that underneath where you talk about typing it. 
So you, I'm going to say, well, then I need to type in the uh, URL for Screencast Online. I can take the text. So don't talk while you're actually typing it. Take that and move it under where you said, I'm going to type in the URL for Screencast Online. So now it yeah. looks like you can type really fast and you're able to talk and type that at the same time when, you know, gun to your head, you couldn't do that. Ah, I like that idea. That's actually a pretty clever one. So Allison's listed off a lot of tools, which I have mostly none of. Uh, and I think that that's what many of us were run into. If you're only doing one or two, you're like, I can't, I can't buy $1,000 worth of different little tricks and tips and utilities. Mm -hmm. And some of us are regularly uh, relegated to using something like Snagit for our first screen recordings, which doesn't have great editing, doesn't have great this, doesn't have great that. The audio quality sounds really crunchy and bad. And you're trying to figure out how do I step my game up just a little bit. So one thing that I found relatively useful um, when you're not able to use higher quality equipment like Adobe Premiere, if you're going to record something, let's say, for example, um, uh, I'm going to record something, but I have to start off with using Snagit. But when I recorded, the audio doesn't sound very good. But I found that Audacity, free tool, has great sounding audio when I record it. So if you grabbed Audacity and you're going to record the two, the two things. Audacity is free, even, by the way. Yeah. And you want to sync the tracks. Mm. It's always really hard because you're trying to sync audio waves. The tip is hit record in whatever your screencasting app is. Open up Audacity, hit the screen recording, give yourself, after you've got everything where you want to be, wait like three to five seconds and then clap your hands really loud, then wait mm -hmm. two to three seconds and then start talking. What it allows you to do is to um, identify that one very peaking wave in the two line everything up and everything works perfect because both say, of them have that, the full audio again. track, just one's audio track sounds way better. Rod, say that whole thing again oh, okay, at the so, very end there because we got Skype breakup again. Yeah, so what happens is you uh, clap your hands really loud. like So you give a dead couple seconds while both are recording, clap your hands, and then dead for a couple seconds after. What you now will do in post is you'll take the audio track from Audacity and put it in your other audio app, and you slide it so that the peak wave of when you clapped your hands will line up because it'll be a very big peak. All you have to do is line up those peaks and everything for the rest of the track is fully lined up. Yeah, it's hard yeah. to try to line up the beginning of you talking. It's easier. And it's if you think about it for a second, because you're probably thinking, that sounds really stupid. Yet you've seen it every time you watch any show showing people doing videos is that the, the uh, director claps that big thing and makes that big clank sound when they close that thing. Mm -hmm. And that creates that spike in audio so they don't have to do any track alignment it's right there in all recordings so i've uh i've got a good friend uh named slough who is a he owns his own uh music recording studio he's in new york and he's like all amazing and everything uh but he also happens to be blind and he thought it was really funny that i asked him how on earth do you edit video or edit audio without being able to see it now, to him, that's the dumbest question on earth, right? Because he's never seen it. What would it, what would music look like? But to you and me, we're both looking for that spike, right? Yeah. And and yeah. I use that all the time. Like I know what my laughter looks like on a track. I know what I know what uh, um looks like. I know what uh, you know so looks like. I know the shape of the curve <laughs> to go find it and see if I can get rid of it. Um, and so I definitely use the visual like that. It's funny that I'm, I'm going to fold in a kind of a meta thing here. I mentioned that I've been trying to make this recording about this tool, Loom. Loom is a, an app that runs on the Mac, Windows, Android, and iOS. 
and it does screen recording. And as you're doing the recording, it's also uploading it to their web service. So one of the nice things you don't have to worry about is, well, what resolution am I going to export it at? Uh, you know, doing all this number crunching of, you know, that can be a very intensive uh, job for your for your CPU. It puts it up on the Internet immediately and it's got tons of editing. It can't do a lot of the tricky things we're talking about, like speeding things up and everything. Um, but you can go trim pieces out of it and then have that video available and then click a link and say, send this to somebody. It's, it's, as I was teaching the tool, I learned exactly how capable it is for five minute videos. It's free and it's, it's really good. It's worth giving it a try. It's at loom.com. I, uh, I, I really think it's a, a nice way to get started. If you find that snag, it's a problem. I haven't really analyzed whether the audio quality is good or bad. Most of the recordings I've made, I've been lazy and just like using my internal mic. Cause I'm just showing a bug to a developer or something. That's a pretty good idea. I like that one. And all night editing, I think it um it opens it up to a larger audience. And sometimes again, you might say I want to get Skype and your IT department says, "Nope, that's a screen recording app, can't use it." Or you run into little challenges or we don't buy anything from I think it's TechSmith that does that. Um the other thing is it's okay to mess up. So I, if you if you totally like I mean really like, "Oh my gosh, I got to fix this." Go back and fix it. Um but if you if you talked and it was like, that was a perfect recording and you go back and listen, you say, oh my gosh, like, let's say you said, call me at like, um, you want to say, call me tomorrow morning and you say, call me tomorrow morning at 11 PM. And you meant to say AM. It's okay to put a bubble right where you said and said, I meant AM. Cause that, that fixes a recording versus going back and trying to do another three, five, or even 40 minute recording to fix one little slip up. Those types Why of things just are do a voiceover and fix it. Yeah, you you could do that, but for some, like that might be like a I don't really like trying to get that perfect edit, get the the tone not sound like feel like it sound like it breaks. Uh -huh. It's you can put a like a a thing over. I've watched so many YouTube videos where someone will say something wrong and they'll just annotate on the screen that I meant to say this, not that, um, and they put it right at the right time in the track. So you're like you hear it and you're like. But you see it on the screen, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, you just move on with life. And you you get those types of things. I think also mistakes make you um, sound human. So that's another reason why I think it's okay to leave very minor um, mistakes. Like if you stumble on a word and then correct it, it's you're human. It's okay. Um, we have done that on occasion on Screencast Online. I, I would consider what your well, – who's your intended audience? If this yes. is for your boss – no, go back and re-record this. Or, yeah. you know, this is to your most important client. No, don't have a mistake like that in. Go back and fix it. I, I fix absolutely everything I can. There are occasions where, like, you finish it and then something changed in the app. Well, you can't fix that. You've got to, you got, just got to say, well, like, on occasion I've done some where there was actually a bug in the software. I've gotten a hold of the vendor. They've acknowledged it's a bug, but it's not fixed. I'll put in the thing saying expected to be fixed in the next release or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, again, the audience is probably the most important on whether or not it's okay to make mistakes. An another good thing to do um, in preparation as you're thinking about doing a screen recording, hopefully uh, your first of many, go go back and find really popular YouTubers. If you like to watch YouTube videos, find some that you find are really good and you like they're very polished. And then go to their video his archive and go back to like their first couple videos. Um, <laughs> it's it is eye-opening. So um, um, MKBHD, um, Marquez Brownlee, yeah. 
go back and watch the videos when he was like a teenager um, doing his first videos. It's it's cute, um, but it's also <laughs> you can see the start from horrible lighting, um, things going off frame. You could tell that it, it's like the learning process that everybody does when they do recordings to when where he is now and you're like oh my gosh like two people simultaneously like he's having a conversation with himself like ridiculous crazy perfect lighting perfect this mm-hmm. we're not all going to start at the end we're going to start at the beginning so um i think looking at what other people do will um will dramatically help improve uh, it's also good to look back at your own old ones to realize that you don't stink as much as you did originally <laughs> yeah you don't realize how good you get uh, and that's that's probably one of those things is that great speakers aren't great. They learn to be great because they do it over and over and over. And eventually you get more uh, you get more comfortable with it over time. So, yeah, yeah I have I asked people, important. you know, how are you so fluid on this? Well, I've been podcasting for over 15 years, you know, a couple times a week. I'm pretty good at that. And I was always a big talker. So I did a lot of presentations. You, you had a note in yours uh, that said the people who do good screencasts are the people who are used to presenting. Yeah. That do it a lot. I think so. Yeah. I, cause like I say, I've, I presented, I've presented, I can't tell you how many times in my life. So I'm very comfortable. It's just like, yeah, turn on the mic. I'll start talking. I'm very comfortable getting there. But when I, when I do a screen recording, because I know that I have to be concise, it does require me to sit down and outline because if you're, if you know, like Allison is learning an app and then she's teaching you about it, which is dramatically harder than I work at, let's say, Microsoft, and I focus on Word, and now I'm going to teach you how to use Word. Well, if I, I did that, I knew, yeah, I know every nascent feature in there. What I need is a way to make sure that I stay on topic and track and get you through stuff. So um, that, that's one thing. But if you're good, one of the ways to break yourself into good, uh, a good video where you can be, I say, somewhat scatterbrained is like tips, like five tips, um, because they don't have to be like, Related, they could be totally all random, and those are really good. But let someone else listen to your video. Um, you listening to it is great, but let someone else listen to it um, that may not know what you're like the topic or anything, and hope and see if they got out of it what you were hoping to convey in the topic. Uh, um, and do it with somebody who doesn't mind giving you their opinion. Like for me, I would give it to Chris mm-hmm. or give it to Allison because I know that both of them will just give me an unbridled opinion and know <laughs> that if, if my if my feelings get hurt, tough, tough cream puff, you'll get over it and grow up. Um, but someone who can just be very honest with you will always help you identify those things like you said I'm a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I uh... I did have Steve read, watch my videos and, and do editing for me, you know, find things where I screwed up, but uh, it, it added to my my timeline and because I had to now schedule getting done even earlier. So now I just make JF find all of my mistakes. So it's, <laughs> that's handy. <laughs> but Steve was very good at saying, do you realize how many times you say, I'm going to go ahead and? <laughs> um there was uh, there was another thing I really wanted to to mention. Uh, where is it? Oh, one of the things I do, and maybe if you're doing shorter form, this is, doesn't have any meaning at all. But when I'm doing a 40 minute recording, I record that in very short snippets. So I may go uh, two minutes, three minutes at the at the absolute outside because in that length of time, I may have made a mistake that the application has moved on, and I'm going to have trouble getting getting back to it. Um, so. 
I thought maybe I'm just not very good at this. And I asked Don and the other the other people that, that record for Don, and they all said, oh, yeah, that's the only way to go. You know, you really want to do it in short snippets. And and that that do you do you do all in one shot? Or do you do it in, in snippets? No, short snippets. Um, for two reasons. Um, so hopefully everybody who's listening, heavy Mac users, you can hear the fan spinning up on your Mac as you're talking and you're like, it may not be hanging in there long. So I don't have an M1 processor. <laughs> Therefore, I might know that my snippet is going to be, let's say, I'm going to get through something in a minute or so or two minutes just because I don't want the computer to slow down. And then I look at the post recording and it's like, oh my gosh, like it's all, it just, it never, it wasn't keeping up with what I was doing. So mm. another good reason to, I think, do things in snippets are to like, um, to make sure that you get through as much as your computer wants to handle. The other nice thing about, um, I think like if you do things in small snippets is it, it also gets you to not show things that you don't um, need to show. Like a good example is, I don't need to see you clicking on, if you're on Windows, or clicking on a Mac, going to Finder, clicking on applications, finding the application, launching it. I don't need to see that. It's irrelevant. Oh, yeah. So start me in the app. And then if you're going to transition from one screen to another, it may not be important for me to see all of that transition. You can say, I went to settings and only show the last part where you have the menu popped up, fully expanded out, and you're clicking on settings. So I know that I know where you went to, and I know... I don't need to see the entire process of going to going to that, especially if you're you're digging through many flyout menus. Um, so that's probably another useful thing is uh, yeah, that I found. Yeah, we used to do that. We used to always show, and I'm going to go to the Mac App Store and I'm going to uh, download this app and here's what it looks like. And then Don, after a while, is just like, you know what? Just let's just, that's good. You know, people know how to find, you know, give them the URL, moving on. And that was kind of a relief because that was kind of a, a wasted setup time, I think. Um, yeah. Go ahead. The only thing that's useful about apps in the app store I found is that someone will say, download this app and you search and it's like 50 that show up and you're like, and they say the one with the red icon and you're like, I got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That can help. I thought of another thing back when we were talking about screen res resolution setup. If you're doing this all in one sitting, if you have that luxury, this isn't a big problem. But one of the problems you can run into is that you left your Mac and, and you went off and did some other stuff and you come back and you've slightly moved the window. Uh, the tool that we use is called Moom, M-O-O-M, and I, this link will be in the show notes. I'm making a whole list of tools here for you guys. Uh, what Moom's whole, it does a lot of different things, but one of the things it can do is you can say, memorize this screen position, and you store it, and then you can log out, log back in, and you just hit that screen, that section, it'll open everything right where it was supposed to be, you know, line all the windows up where it's supposed to be. So not having jumps in it where it moved is is really nice. Sometimes you're going to have a jump. It's going to happen. Do a transition. Do a do a a, a page fold. Um, I think you had a note in here that I may have uh, highlighted that we already talked about it. But having those those transitions, if you're going to use transitions like that, have them be consistent. Like, don't do a page fold one <laughs> time and then crossbars the next time and then a cubic rotate the next time. If they have different meanings, we have two different meanings in in uh, screencasts online. One might be now I'm going to switch over and I'm going to do iOS. That would be a that would maybe be a, a crossbar, but everything else will be these little page folds. Yes, I I, I agree with that a hundred percent. There's nothing more annoying than someone who realizes I have like fifty transitions. Let's do one different one each time because it's just distracting. It's uh and it, it your video looks more amateurish uh, the more yeah. you do those those types of things. 
you do have a lot of tools that you use. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I, I use, uh, screen, screen flow and into final cut. And I do all my editing. I have learned several tips from you on screen flow that I'm going to actually try the next time I do a recording to do it all in screen flow. Okay. And if I'm pulling my hair out, I will absolutely call you to say help. Well, here's another interesting one. This one co- one won't cost you a dime. Uh, you mentioned the fans kicking up. I've uh, the listeners to my show know that I have had terrible problems with the new 16-inch MacBook Pro. That the instant I turn on Audio Hijack to do my m- clean up my audio, make it sound really good, and I have my 5K display attached, my fans go off. Like I can do nothing else, just hit on and it goes and the the CPU reports that it's got to go super fast and it's a big pain. It turns on the fans. Turbo Boost Switcher allows you to turn off Turbo Boost on Intel processors. I will not need Mm. this after I get an M1 processor. But the problem is that it's boosting the the processor. So it goes, oh, my God, she's going really fast. She's going 3.3 gigahertz. I better turn on the fans. It's going to heat up. Oh, no. Even though it hasn't heated up yet, it's going to turn them on. It's like the algorithm's all messed up. So I have Turbo Boost Switcher turn off Turbo Boost because you don't actually need it while you're recording. You don't need it to be Turbo Boosting. And it seems funny. It seems counterintuitive. And it took me a while to come to that. But I have manageable fans now. I oddly enough have my computer, my Mac, just and it's I've I got this twenty years ago. I have this cooling fan that all my laptops sit on that I use all day long, uh-huh. and it constantly has nice cool air blowing on top of it. And oh, my nice. fans rarely kick up, but I will say um, I have put mine on as, ice packs, Rod, and it still happens. <laughs> wow! So activity monitor before mm-hmm. you start recording. Um, I have 16 gigs of RAM on my box, and the, when I upgrade my next to my next Mac, it will have 32. Um, you always want to like take a peek in there, and you might say, "Oh my gosh!" Like right now, I'm using 12 gigs of RAM, and I know that oh, I got to kill out Chrome, I got to kill out Firefox, I got to kill out this, I got to kill out that. Like, Chrome. <laughs> yeah, Chrome is awful, awful, awful. But close your apps to get yourself down. Like I think I found that my Mac can go down to about seven to eight gigs of memory usage once I've closed like mo- many of the key things out. Mm-hmm. That's the optimal for me to start my screen recordings and then I just get going. So don't be afraid to close out of uh, some of your apps as you're, um, before you want to start your recording. Don't think that I threw it on another screen. It won't bother me. It's, it's still hogging up some resources. So free some of those up, go into activity monitor, see what's taking up your RAM and understand that Chrome and Firefox, they always have like, you know, Firefox CP web content or Chrome helper. Um, um, it's not helping anything other than taking all your RAM. Your backups so. are probably running. Your offline, your offsite backups to Backblaze are running. Now, I don't actually do that for, for screencasting, which I think it's because I use a different account, so I know none of this stuff is kicking in. But when I do the podcast, I have a an automator script that I wrote that uh, launches all of the apps that I need to do the show, to do the live show, and it turns off everything I want to get rid of. It turns off Wi-Fi. It turns off um, Backblaze. It turns off Dropbox. It turns off Google Google Drive. All those things that are going to try to yak to the internet when I'm trying to do a live broadcast, it turns them all off. So you can do some of that stuff. Actually, Keyboard Maestro that I talked about earlier can do that. But if you want to do it with a checklist, it's a good idea to go shut off things that might be pulling RAM or, or bandwidth if you're, if you're doing something that's interacting with the internet. Cool. All right, I think I've what covered. What else you got left? 
I've been yeah, highlighting I think what I've, I thought you've done. On well, our, yeah, our I've list. Look, I was looking through to see what I have missed in uh, the tips. Like I think we talked about, it's a, like slides are definitely a good thing to use front and back, front and like if the front and the rent back if you need to. Um, the reason why I think slides are sometimes good to use is sometimes you don't want to start right in the app. You want to set up the conversation and it might take one slide where you're going to talk through that. This why would be you, a place where slides instead of just ScreenFlow already does it. I mean, it's got the, it's just, I've just I've traditionally you like put a slide together. Um, and it's like, I might talk through something. This might be a place where like, if I were going to have myself on a white screen that I might, if I'm going to talk to the camera, I might have points that appear on the side of me that I will yeah, insert into the video. Yeah. Right I'll do those in the video. If I'm on the screen, okay. but if I'm not, I just, it's like, I don't want to start the user in the application. It's like the quick setup and then get them in. Um, thumbnails are another don't, nice don't thing to choose. To don't ever open a slide program ever, ever, <laughs> ever. And I'm including keynote, just slides are bad. You just don't even use them. Okay. Don't. Open up a wiki. No, no, like no, slide. no. Just do it in ScreenFlow. <laughs> you can put in the bullets. You can have them appear. You can change, you can do the transitions. Well, so I'm I'm trying to take into account that some like some people aren't gonna have like I think ScreenFlow was it hundred bucks? Yeah, I don't remember what I paid for that. Yeah, yeah it's $100. so like for it some they may say yeah you know, they oh Camtasia is another good one. I think we mentioned Snagit. Camtasia is another good step up. But if you're on the Mac, ScreenFlow is I mean really good for what you get for the dollars. So I would definitely recommend if you're just gonna step up to something. It um, is in the ScreenFlow category of. The the app that the people who work on Screencast Online all agree is our favorite app that really bothers us. Like it is so capable and yet it's got some just like, why do you do that? Like if when you record uh, video and audio, you get two pieces, right? You get the little video, you get a little video block and a little audio block and then you drag them down into the timeline. It puts them end to end instead oh, of in yeah, parallel. Yeah. It turns out if you hold the option key down or shift key or something like that, when you drag it down in, it doesn't. And they did it on purpose. They changed it to that. And it's like, who would ever make a screencast where the things needed to be end to end? You want the audio and the video to be together. Yeah, locked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's how Final Cut works. Oh, geez. Just to say. <laughs> nice. Drag my track. It just works. And that's why I say like Final Cut is so predictable. That's nice. Yeah. But even if it's stupid, if it's predictable, that's definitely better. Um, as far as Camtasia on Windows is concerned, I've been doing computing with uh, Macs and PCs since uh, mostly Macs, but uh, since 1984, my number one least liked, most hated application of all time is Camtasia on Windows, bar none. That software, I haven't used it in over five years now. But when I was using it, it was the worst, buggiest piece of garbage I've ever used. It was the only game in town, and it was horrible. It would just like suddenly just go, nope, I, you don't have a microphone. I, I don't know. I've, what did you do with it? And I would call up Camtasia, and they'd just go, oh, or, you know, TechSmith, and they'd say, uh, you know, reinstall your audio driver. It's like, my audio is working in these other applications. It's only in yours. Oh, I could go on for days about how much I hated that application. So, no. Don't do it. Use Loom if you're on Windows. <laughs> I haven't. Yeah, I haven't used Loom. I have used Camtasia. I've I've had success Camtasia, but I also. But if you like Snagit, again, Snagit's nice because it's just super quick uh, video yeah. edit, video recording. I won't really call it editing, um, but it it gets the job done. Yeah, if you just um, want to record honestly, the screen, you can do you can do that with built-in tools on the Mac. I mean, yeah. uh, and I'm assuming on Windows, but on the Mac, it's uh, the screen. What is it called? 
used to be called Grabber, but it's got another name now. I can't remember. If you go into Applications Utilities, it's in there. Uh, you can just tell it, I want to do a video of the screen. You can make a video screencast right there. You can't do any of the editing we've talked about, but you could do it there. So, And I don't want to oversell yeah. Loom. Loom is not the greatest editor in the world, but if you want to make a video where you can cut some pieces out and put a call to action in and a couple other things, it's it's pretty slick. Nice. Well, this was well, fun. I definitely got some tips from you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying the same thing you were saying. I got some uh, some tips from you. Not all I agree with, but uh, more than one would have normally expected from our conversations. <laughs> you, you at least agree with with uh, using Camtasia on Windows. I understand. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I agree that you are a spectacular woodworker and you should be encouraged in that, uh, that effort at all choices. So I, I always like to ask, like, I know that when people first get something you make for them, um, and so to, if you don't mind me bragging well, for you for a little bit. So I told Allison, I've been doing some woodworking, you know, and I, I've done it for over the years, but when with kids, I stopped for a long period of time and I just, with COVID, I got back into it. So I'm telling her that I'm doing this stuff and I was like building, I, I was making some cutting boards and I was like, you know, telling her about it. And then she's like, Oh, I'd love you to make me one. She goes, my dad used to be into woodworking, blah, blah, blah. And then she proceeds to start sending me stuff that I'm like, I couldn't, my wildest imaginations because he was into carving which oh, is yeah 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 super hard and very precision driven just some of the most amazing carvings that i've seen um but and he i'm used like garbage wood he's sort of yeah. like the opposite woodworker <laughs> you so he my dad would do these elaborate carvings and he'd do them like out of pine you know and then rod's over here making these spectacular cutting boards with inlaid pieces of the most beautiful wood you've ever seen i mean that you you guys are literally the opposite woodworker yeah he was gifted uh, <laughs> so uh i was fortunate enough for allison she liked i sh i think i showed you some cutting boards i made or something yeah. or i might have talked about it and so i got to the end and i'd already made it it was already done and i didn't want to tell her i was in progress so i just at one point Chris and I were going back and forth and I was like, uh, which one should I send Allison? And we both said the one with purple. Um, cause it had <laughs> like this beautiful purple heart. We we're like, she's you're wearing a purple shirt today. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I showed her the two photos and you chose Walnut. Um, because I think your bedroom set is like Walnut Everything and you're like, I can is Walnut. I love Walnut. Yeah. I love that wood too. So I sent that up and I, I, I always like to find out like after you've been using it for a while, cause I know that when you're having to put like wax cutting boards and all that stuff, it's like, oh, this is like a lot of maintenance. But is it still working out for you guys? So the, I haven't actually talked about it because I don't want to make everybody jealous. That's why you haven't seen me posting pictures or anything. This is <laughs> the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It is absolutely gorgeous. And it took me a week and a half to let me put a knife on it. I just set it out on the counter. I couldn't do it. And Rod's like, no, use it, use it. It's supposed to be used. And I, th I think I sent you a photo of me cutting carrots and, the, uh, and my caption was, the first cut is the deepest <laughs> with the little music icons on it. That's a music reference from Allison. Uh, but it's just beautiful. And the thing that amazes me is the worst thing in the world is a cutting board that wobbles. This thing is dead nuts flat. I mm -hmm. mean, it is just smooth as as silk. And it's perfectly flat. And I felt guilty having it after hearing you describe your sanding process that you start with what, like, like 100 grit and then 120 and 140, 160, 180. And in between, you're getting it wet and the baking it in an oven. Oh, my gosh. That's just the sanding process? <laughs> yeah, it's insane. So anybody who does any novice woodworking, they know that the reason why you get it wet is because the fibers of the wood stand up it raises the grain then when you sand it 
it goes flat again and rinse and repeat. So every between every grain as you sand it, it tries for that when I hand her Allison cutting board, which is what you're always concerned with, is that she uses it, washes it, is like it, it it's it's really rough now. So you're doing everything you can so that that first washing, it comes out and it feels like it did when you handed it over to them. So that's why you're constantly wetting it between every single process so that you constantly keep shaving down that grain so it's, it stays smooth. It's, it's amazing. So, it's yeah, just gorgeous. It and I didn't want everybody to be jealous and, and ask you more for them. I think I technically didn't ask you for them. I just went, wow, that's the most beautiful thing. You know, I really love fantastic wood. I love really beautiful wood. I love cutting boards. I never said, give me one, <laughs> <laughs> but I might've hinted really, really loud. Well, hey, yeah, I it, loved it. was fun doing it. So. Oh, good. It's, it's makes me so happy. I just love it. I, I, I FaceTime my kids to show it to them as soon as I got it and uh, really, really love it. Thank you so much. So if people want to follow you online and all your stuff, why don't you tell them how to find you? So I'm of the generation where everything is after my name. So if you want to find me on Twitter, it's just Rod Simmons on Twitter. But uh, if you want to track us on the podcast, just head over to smrpodcast.com. Just uh, find the link, click subscribe, and come join and listen. Uh, I think you've heard Chris on here before. You've heard Rob uh, come over here. I've been here a long time ago. I sent tips in when I first found the No Silicast podcast. So, um, yeah, you can find me over on the smrpodcast.com site. Such a fun show. If you want to hear three guys who really enjoy themselves, obliquely talk about text, uh, tech. Uh, sometimes they're right. Um, not, not, not consistently, but you know, I, I'll come on and tell them where they've messed up, but uh, uh, they might talk about gaming. They might talk about shoelaces. They'll talk about meat. They'll talk about wood carving. Uh, you never know what you're going to get, but you can't listen to that show and not smile the whole time. There's just no way. It's such a fun show. And since you're listening to this episode, you'll know that Allison in, I guess, about an hour and a half, we're going to be recording our show because she's coming on to tell us why we were wrong about the M1 processor. <laughs> but Pretty I am cool. going to tell them they weren't as wrong as usual. That I'm going to, you know, we're trying to bring people together these days and, and not be so <laughs> adversarial. So that's how I'm going to start. All right, Rod, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. Did you notice there weren't any ads in the show? That's because this show is not ad supported. It's supported by you. If you learned something, or maybe you were just entertained, consider contributing to the Podfeet podcast. You can do that by going over to podfeet.com and look for the big red button that says support the show. When you click that button, you're going to find different ways to contribute. If you like to do a one-time donation, you can click the PayPal button. If you want to make a recurring contribution, click the weekly Patreon button. Or another way to contribute is to record a listener contribution. It's a great way to help the NoSilicast ways learn from you. If you want to contact me for any reason, you can email me at allison at podfeet.com and you can follow me on Twitter at podfeet. Maybe you want to talk to other NoSilicast ways. There's two great places to do that. You can do that in our Slack group at podfeet.com slash Slack, or you can join our Facebook group at podfeet.com slash Facebook. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.